All right, perfect. We got this. Let's go. All right, good morning. I'm Naomi. I'm Liz. And we are the Run Galloway Girls. And welcome to our podcast. This is another bonus episode. Today is Sunday. Yep. We actually haven't done our run yet, so we're anticipating that. We have mile repeats on the schedule. Which is kind of with Galloway's training plan and the pull, like, I don't know if it's quite polarized training or if it's really like thinking about that zone two, zone four. I don't, I don't know. But the two main runs in Galloway, and we've already talked about the long, slow over distance. The other one, when you're trying to go for a time goal with Galloway are these mile repeats and these mile repeats are threshold and they're fast and they're kind of crazy, and you do a lot of them, and it's a little overwhelming, uh-huh. but they're also super doable. They're super doable. Especially when it's not 100 degrees out. Yeah, <laughs> and they're super doable because we take uh, walk breaks, recoveries in between that are, like, up to five minutes. Or yeah, even, or, or longer, longer if it's Even if it's longer. And, in, and we have in front of us, which you can't see because this is an audio recording, <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Um, we have Boston Marathon How to Qualify, which is a book by Jeff. And he actually gives these great um, suggestions when it's hot. And this is like the thing that we probably should take into take this advice more than we do. Um, and I think one of the reasons we don't take it is I'm so good in the heat, and that's not <laughs> good for not you, a factor right? But that's not good for you when we train together. So talks about um, you know kind of your no faster than pace during your long run at sixty degrees, and then how to adjust it. No joke. A minute plus at 70 degrees. And but I mean, he's literally saying temperature as the temperature rises, 30 set you add 30 seconds per mile for every five degrees above 60. Like that's insane. Is, right. And and no one's doing that, right? Because you jump from 70 to 80 and you don't think about the fact that you need to really slow it from, you know, if you're at yeah. 12, slow it to 13. If you're at well, 13, slow it to 14. And this is saying for a time goal of 345, that Long run should be no faster than 1040 um, per mile at 60 degrees. So when we were doing our long runs in the heat for mountains to beach and it's 80 degrees, we really should have been no faster than 1240. And we were we looked back. We were still like 1040. Right. Yeah. We 11. Didn't, we didn't uh, necessarily yeah. change. So, which is so crazy. It's so, so crazy. So we have no real outline today. So this is another little freeform episode, um, which is kind of fun for a bonus episode. But we did want to mention right up front that we are six weeks away from Jeff's half marathon in Atlanta. Yeah. Which There's still plenty of time to sign up. Oh, yeah. If you have a good base, you still have plenty of time to get to the distance. Yeah. If you... Like, at six weeks out, I'm not necessarily sure being able to walk around a mall for an hour and a half is enough. But if you are have already been running, I would say 30 minutes every other day, you could probably jump yeah. in at six weeks to a, like, in it to finish. to finish plan. Yeah. If you yeah. had a long run this weekend of an hour, yeah. you're, you've got six weeks now to, like, supercharge it. You're, yeah. you're good. You can do it. And, I mean, I know that we've alluded to this before, but um, I... Uh, prepared for the Boston Marathon with, you know, really six weeks because, and I had longer, but then um, I went on the weekend of a long run. I went away for Brian's birthday, which is coming up. It's February 13th. 
um, and I wrenched my neck. So I skipped my long run and I was dealing with a neck injury. And so then I had to kind of recover from that. And so really I had from like the end of February and March to get ready for Boston in April. April. And I was able to do it and complete it. And I felt great at the finish. And, you know, I was super conservative with it. Um, We should talk about the feels of races, though, too, because at the time it just felt like a little bit of a letdown. Um, because, you know, I'd worked so hard to, to qualify. qualify and then due to everything in my life, like Boston was just, I was just there participating. I wasn't in top form and it didn't feel like the celebration, you know, when you qualify for Boston, you think, oh my gosh, maybe I can qualify again at Boston. Right. Um, and that probably would have happened had I gotten in for 2020, but I didn't even get in for 2020. Right. <laughs> yeah. And had, you know, the things hadn't happened the way they did. Yeah. So yeah, just, totally. But uh, looking back, course, I feel like such like, an idiot for not celebrating and enjoying it more. Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing we want to talk about a little bit too, celebrating like little wins. And I mean, and the process, I'm I'm so glad you went to Boston. First of all, it's like, cause that was something you even weren't sure if you were going to go. And it was like, oh my God, most of us don't get the chance. Yeah. Even if you don't run it, like you want to run it. Yeah. You're there, you get to experience it. For sure. And it was, it was so much, it, it was really cool. And the way that we did it was really fun. We stayed with my um, mom's cousin and her husband, uh, Ann and Todd, and they were just amazing hosts and to be honest like staying with them was more and hanging out with them and I'm such a bad like great niece because I haven't or cousin I don't know what it is they feel more like aunt <laughs> and uncle to me or something they feel more like an aunt and uncle yeah. well anyway I just feel like like bad because I barely talked to them since but they were so wonderful they st- um they let us stay with them and staying with them was so much fun like, I almost didn't even need to run the race because staying with them was so much fun. It was Aww. a great little vacation getaway. Yeah, they um, introduced us to that game Code Names yeah. that you got that I was like, oh, it's so fun. We should we play. We play that. So big promo for the game Code Names. It's really, really fun. Um, but, yeah, Boston was I'm, – I'm glad that I went, too. It was, it was great. But it's just funny how different seasons in your life, like, different things are important. Yes. But um, – like it's and we always bring up Steve Magnus. He had a great thing on his Instagram about how goals that are about winning are actually not motivating. They don't help. Goals right. that are set like time goals, like like eventual things that you are more in control of, they motivate you like, like some of the time. Twenty percent or something. Right. But goals that are process driven and just enjoying the process. Uh, I am so sorry about that. Just enjoying the process are really the ones that are that motivate you to get motivate you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're the ones that are incredible. So I'm going to turn "Do Not Disturb" on on my phone so that we don't get any more of those little dingy dingies. (laughs) Um. So yeah. So that's what this season is all about: is enjoying the process. And I think um, that was tough for me. When we first started training, like I think I was kind of getting caught up in times and yes. getting caught in the comparison caught up trap. In the numbers. Yeah. And mm. so today is not going to be about that. When we go out for mile repeats, I am not going to get caught up in the numbers. I'm just going to, I'm just going to run the repeats and I may, I don't know how I'm, how I'm going to feel. I may try 
Like, obviously, we're going to do one miles, but if that's not feeling good, I might bump them to two or bump them down to half miles. Right. Just because, you know, oh, I'm already swollen. It's day two, day three yeah, of IVF. You and posted your, your meds in your stories on Instagram last night. That was, I like, did. super... I'm glad you did. Like, it's really helpful to see, like, what you have to go through. Like, we all kind of have an idea of, like, okay, so you're going to be someone, you or, or your yeah. spouse or significant other sticking you with needles. Yeah. It's, but, like, what? It's yeah. not that bad. So I think that I posted it so that, you know, and I share everything about going through IVF, not because I'm like, ooh, look at me, right? Um, it's really so that people, other people going through IVF know that they're not alone and other people going through infertility who are like, I don't want to do IVF because I'm afraid of this. You know, they can see, oh, it's not that big of a deal, but also so that, um, people understand that, especially in our age bracket, like pregnancy is not guaranteed, like and even even a baby from IVF is not guaranteed. Right. You know, if you've been struggling to get pregnant and it hasn't happened in, you know, really in six months, no matter what age you are, really in six months, you should be pushing for an evaluation. Um, and if you think about it anecdotally, like everybody that we know that has tried to get pregnant has usually wound up pregnant by six months of trying. Right. Like, or they've gone on to have infertility treatment. Right. So, so if you're past six months or, you know, and then for women who aren't sure, like that's the other thing you've talked about is like. Yeah. If you're not sure, freeze, freeze your, eggs. your eggs. If you are 28 and don't have a plan for children, even if you don't know if you want them, go ahead and take, yes, it's a big expense, five, five to $7,000. Um, freeze your eggs because. You can, and it, it could be more at some clinics, it could be less, but freeze your eggs because it's an insurance policy, but one time isn't. And that's what people really need to know. So if you're 28 and don't have a plan for kids, freeze a bunch of eggs. At 28, your chances of your eggs being good are about 80%. Um, and then your chances of embryos being normal, so that's like making it through fertilization, are pretty good, right? Because 80% of your eggs are genetically normal. So you need two to three healthy embryos for uh, the chance of an 85% chance of a live birth. So that means probably with 15 eggs per cycle, you need about 25 eggs for one, for very, very good chance of a live birth. So there's a lot of loss that happens right. when you go through IVF. And so that's why I say... At 28, freeze some eggs. At 30, freeze some eggs. And yeah. at 32, freeze some eggs. Because still at 32, you've got 80, 75 to 80% of your eggs are good. Now at 35, you're heading into that, you know, 60%. At 38, you're really at 50, maybe 40% of your eggs are good. And at 40, you're at 20 to 30% of your eggs are good. Right. So, so it's just an insurance policy. Yeah, it makes so much sense. But it, but like one round of egg it's freezing not, isn't an insurance policy. No. And that's what people need to know two is that, three. yeah, you need, you need like really, if you want two kids, you need 35 eggs. Like, ah, gotcha. like yeah. you need 35 eggs. And But if you're over 35, you need 60 eggs, which okay. is a lot. Like we have collected, so at... 40, I think we're right around 29 eggs from four retrievals, right. and we have one normal embryo. Right. Like, right. that's a lot of loss, and there's yeah. loss at each stages, and it's ex it's expected. So, 
Um, so yeah, so started IVF meds, started all of that last night. I am a little swollen, so I even have my my yeah. aura ring on the another finger. My swelling has come down since I've woken up, which okay, is good. which is nice. But um, it's not fun to be swollen. It's yeah. really not. And like, I generally don't weigh myself, but I do kind of leading into IVF, and then I weigh myself every day during IVF to track fluid retention. Mm-hmm. Because that's like kind of anecdotal, like every cycle that I've had a lot of fluid retention, we haven't had embryos. So like maybe like that's an inflammatory response. So interesting. Yeah. So we'll see how running goes because remember my first cycle, I I was thinking back, we were trying to do mile repeats. Was it four mile repeats or six? Probably. Was this in July maybe of last year? It was, it must have been in May. It must have been okay, in May it because been it was before I hurt my ankle. And, like, I could four only six. walk around the track. Yeah. 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 Back in, yeah. So it would have been, like, four or six at that time probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and Which so, is so crazy. Yeah. So our thought was just, like, we, you know, we have – that's the whole thing. It's, like, we know we have this fitness now yeah. where we're at. So instead of looking at what our plan has for us, right. what, what Jeff has for us, we, you know, are – not necessarily going off of like what it's in the book for 340 versus right well what is it for four hours right exactly that way we just kind of give ourselves a you know we can still hit some targeted yeah of course being what our fitness is right now so a 340 is an 822 and so I said our mantra should be 821 is lots of fun (laughs) is lots of fun to run (laughs) yeah and so that would have been and so with mile repeats they would have been 30 seconds I faster. am looking at that actually. Mile repeats should be done at eight uh at hold on 750. Right. 30 seconds faster. So so since you know 750 just may not be that where might we're not at, be where it's at. I, I don't think it's where I'm at right now. Whereas four hours is 830. And I yep. think 830s are definitely doable. And so even if we're running 829s, that's like, oh, just sub four. <laughs> yep, that's a little win. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, because I really feel like that's what we, you know, are focusing on right now is yeah. that it's not about like what, you know, oh, if everything lines up perfectly, what can I do on well, the day? No, it's like, well, where am I right Where now? am I right now? And also, like, mile repeats have always been such a head game for us. We've always been like, can we do them? Can we do them? Can we do them? Yeah. And because we've always had a stretch goal. Yeah. And this time it's like, okay, this is where my fitness is at. I can do them. This is going to be fun. We're going to go to the track. Sarah's going to come with us. We're going to bring, we're going to take pictures. We're going to like make this a really fun experience at the track, which I think is going to be way better. Plus we usually do mile repeats in the summer. And so this is going to be really nice. It'll be easy in the summer. (laughs) <laughs> much, much better in the winter. Um, I don't know why we have always done fall marathons when it's like 9 million degrees here. I know. And all I, summer, you're just dying. I was like up. looking at everything from the Mesa Marathon yesterday, and I was like, why has this never been on our radar? Yeah. Well, I guess that should be one on our radar. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, you know, uh, Kendall messaged us or replied and was like, are you guys going to Princess? And I was like, I wish we were going Aww, to Princess. Yeah. And part of me is like, Hmm. Hmm. Could we go to Princess? I definitely can't. <laughs> oh, darn. Yeah, I have to work yeah. that weekend for sure. Um, I think that's why we we never look at Princess. We, right. Because it's because of my work it's schedule. It's just a bad weekend. But we yeah. should look at what weekend is springtime surprise. It's usually in April. 
Is it after tax season though, or is it? We should check that out. Yeah, Yeah, we're gonna have to look. So yeah, so with my schedule, like the reason I am able to come down for for Atlanta is because the races, um, you know, we're gonna be able to figure out a packet pickup. We will figure out. We'll have someone pick it up, and the races are you know Saturday and Sunday, so we're literally flying down Friday night. Yeah, and flying back Sunday night. With the um, Disney races, like of course I don't want to fly down for a. Sunday race, like I want to be able to experience right, the right. whole weekend and do like the challenges. And usually you have to go pack a pickup by like Thursday or Friday. Right? Yeah. Or race on Friday if the races are. Um, the challenge for Princess is just Saturday, Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I um so a former athlete of mine, Sam, she is trying to figure out like her, I guess her uh, niece or nephew is also going with them and her mom. And so she was supposed to do the 5K, the 10K, and the half, like do the challenge and the 5K. But some her mom is doing the 5K and her niece or nephew is like, isn't signed up or whatever, so isn't. And she was like, but I want my medal. And yeah. Disney is the one race series that I think if you sign up, you sh- you sign up and you show up at packet pickup. You should get your medal, and this is why. And this is the only reason why I think you should at Disney. They give finisher medals. They're not finisher medals. They're participation medals. Yeah. They give medals to people who get swept. Yep. And I do. so I think that if you are there for the weekend and you can't participate, you should still get your medal. For it, it's a it's a transactional exchange. Right. I do love that the only way to get the dopey medal and the only way to get the goofy medal is to actually in the challenge medals is to actually complete the challenges. But I think that with the other races, unless they're going to stop doing that, like it's a transaction. If you pay for it, you should get it, especially since those medals can be valuable on the on like the eBay market, which is so dumb. But I mean, I've got to tell you, I've thought about selling my medals at times. I always sell my Disney race shirts. Yeah. And I sell them cheap. I sell them for 20 bucks or 20 or $25. And usually it's to people who did the races and needed a different different size size. or they want one for the blanket. Yep. They're going to make a quilt. Yeah. They want to wear one and they want one for a quilt. So, um, yeah, so so Sam was like, you know, I would offer you space in my room anytime. And I was like, ooh, I wonder if I could get a bib. I'll go down there. I'll volunteer to watch her niece or nephew. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then I wonder if I could get a pacing bib. Yeah, there you go. Although I don't know that I'm in, like, I mean, I could pace a slow group. There's, yeah, there's all, there's all different groups. Mm-hmm. Speaking of pacing groups, we should touch on again Atlanta is six weeks oh, yeah. away there are pacing groups and here's my favorite thing about the pacing groups at, at Atlanta well so they're every 15 minutes the first one's 145 next one's two hours 250 and so on my favorite thing is that the 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 finish line stays open until the last finisher crosses so they have a it's yeah. not a, it's not a four and a half hours done it's a four and a half hours or to the last finisher crosses yeah. and there will be a pace group like towards the back and there will be someone to make sure yeah, that last finisher crosses there's a there's a finisher pace a finisher pace group, group right yeah which is so cool so i love that and they have that at donna this weekend too yeah. donna's um, another one that floyd crawford he yeah. is the program program director for the dc chapter of mm-hmm. galloway and he is the like finish it pacer this, week, this weekend yeah so we were talking about Mesa. We were talking about, like, this weekend is Donna as well. I think 
I think maybe we should look at some of these races that are early in the season because kind of before tax season gets really it's already like, really crazy oh. for me. <laughs> so January, right? January essentially, is like by May time. January is like the last time I can travel. But that's just you know this is the career I have being yeah. a CPA. But things are a little easier this year. I feel like I'll you know if again if it was like where I could fly out Friday night, right. it's possible to do it. It's just yeah. like a lot of the races you do need to pack up pick up you know pick up your packet before them. Yeah, so, for we'll sure. See. So one of the reasons we are actually recording before we run today is there is a local 10K happening, um, like, on the track. Where we <laughs> were going to go do our repeats. Yeah, so we just actually had a little break. You won't hear it in the podcast, of course, because Sarah joined us, so she's, like, sitting right off camera, and I replaced a battery and a watch, <laughs> <laughs> and we have just been chatting so much, so we're getting ready. Um but we were also talking about how these local races are so great yeah. to participate in, but we didn't really build any into our schedule this time. No, but that's, yeah, again, that's the beauty of the local races. We're really fortunate to have a lot of them here, but that works out well for, you know, if you can't travel or like yeah. me, your schedule is just crazy for three months of the year and and we can rough. throw, but we can also throw them in like kind of yeah. last minute. So our our local race company has a race pass where you can purchase four races at a really like kind of low rate. It's like kind of at the best rate. Like if you were super organized and pre-planned, I think it might be better to get the early bird rate on all these races. But with the race pass, you can jump in them last, last minute, minute without yeah. paying the last minute price. Yeah. So we'll have to decide if next weekend we yeah. feel like jumping into a 5K or if not, we just... I don't know about you. Yeah. I cannot stomach paying $55 for a 5K. Oh, though. I know. So that's why this race pass is so great because yeah. I think it makes them about 30. Like 30 yeah. or so. And that's... Yeah. Um, I, I know. Our 5Ks it's... are amazing. Like... When I very first started running, I want to say, like, most 5Ks were only 25 bucks. But, yeah, like, ours, and they didn't come with medals. Right. <laughs> and sometimes they were bib-timed. Sometimes they weren't. They When I started running, they still had the shoe tags. Do you remember those? Yes. Yeah. And you, like, had to tie, like, this thing to your, <laughs> to your shoe. And then, and then you didn't, had to remember to, like, give it back. Didn't Berlin just stop using those? Or they're going to stop using them this year? Well, <laughs> Berlin was using but them. were those the D tags, or were they using the ones that uh, you, like, had to return I don't know they were they were you had to return them you get okay. charged if you didn't okay or you yeah. could buy one and that's your permanent tag or something yeah I heard I can't believe it well there. a lot of people back then did have like their own permanent tag that they would like yeah. tell the race company like this is my tag number get Serial a scan number. I don't know how it worked <laughs> I have no idea how it worked but yeah. um and then I know that some places still use like the d tag like that goes on your shoe that's like disposable right but I, I like when they're on the back of the bibs. Oh, like, yeah. I just think that that's really great. Plus, and the bib can go anywhere on you. And, yeah. yeah. Well, and then one of the things that I've done with the um, tags on the back of the bibs, like when I've decided, like, I'm jumping out, like, GI distress or something, and I'm not going to do the race, I will rip the – I'll oh, rip it off and throw it away. It. And then I don't feel bad jumping on the course to, like – Right. After I've made myself better <laughs> to kind of run alongside different runners and cheer them on in a section, I don't feel as bad. Um, sometimes I'll leave the bib on just so that people know that I'm like part of it. Right, right. Um, it's like in, and I don't know that a lot of races do this, but Marine Corps does coaches bibs. And I think that yes. that's a really cool. And what a coaches bib allows you to do is be out on the course 
as an official participant, but you're right. not necessarily... You don't have to pass the timing match. Right. So they're not, it's not taking you into account as a, right. as a runner for the whole thing. And you're out on the race course the entire time. So, like, you don't start at the start. You, like literally are assigned a section and the way team and training has done it with their coaches, which is really cool is they put kind of the stronger, faster runners that can cover more distance earlier on the course. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of them will even like run in with some of the slower runners to the next spots. And then some of them will then Metro over to more spots, but it's very, very cool how that's done. yeah, and one other cool thing about our local race is that the yeah. photos are free. Oh, my God, I and love, they're so good. Yeah, I love getting all free photos. So it's worth paying a little more when you're going to get, like, some kind of perk, like, free photos. Yeah. And that's actually something about Jeff's race that I just found out, that the photos are free at Jeff's oh. race. And his hair, Barb's 5K is only $32. Oh, they my are gosh. Not, they're not trying to, like, upcharge based on the fact that they're yeah. doing all this great participation stuff and with it with our 10% coupon ambassador 23 yeah. that's $3.20 off of yes. Barb's race yeah and again it has a long finish time so you can walk it um it's yeah. not like you have to be in race shape so I'm excited yeah. for Barb's 5k I'm even, ex- if we, even if we wanted to walk it I'm excited for yeah I'm excited <laughs> for the whole weekend yeah. hopefully I mean I don't know what the plan is. I would imagine the 5K will probably take it pretty easy. Um, I mean, although there have been some times where I've gone and raced and done a pretty hard 5K effort the day before and done really well the next day and a half. Um, I used to go in July to Chicago and do the Rock and Roll Mm -hmm. Chicago Half Marathon. And they have a 5K the day before. And... Like, I've PR'd at that 5K and then gone on to do, you know, my average time of 153. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if only I was in that shape. I, like, 153 feels like such a stretch right now for me. Um, But so I just have to remember, like... You know, that's just not the runner I am anymore. Well, and it's okay. It's I'm just not the so season you're in right now. Yeah. And that's, yeah, you know, totally. The, again, we're like, what are, what's important to me this right now? And it, it's other things. And like, that's, yeah. That's okay. Well, and you know what I'm really excited about with the process, like process goals and just enjoying myself is I am fueling better than I ever have. So I'm so excited about seeing what proper fueling does with proper training. So like the next three weeks are not going to be the best training. Like we were talking before and you'll see it on the YouTube, but we're talking about sleep and our HRV, like IVF meds, just like tank it all. Everything goes down. I mean, because the whole idea is like, we're supercharging a system that doesn't want to be supercharged. Yeah. So, and hormones hugely affect HRV. So So I'm not like the next three weeks don't count, but with this better fueling, I've been feeling better. I've been sleeping better and I'm excited to see what I can do as far as training with this proper fueling, like Mm -hmm. with more food, with actually waking up hungry and acknowledging that hunger cue and eating and not Not just drinking coffee to make it go away. Because like, I realized like that's probably what I've been doing. Yeah. No, I've done that for a long time too. That's a a struggle. Um, And one other thing that you know, I'm really excited about is that we have manually updated, thanks to David Roach, 
are oh, yeah. heart rate zones. Yeah, based on so, their yeah. lactate threshold heart rate zones. Yes. Which, so Garmin has the ability to do a lactate threshold heart rate zone for you if you use a chest strap and mm-hmm. there's a lactate threshold workout specifically that you do. Um, you can also figure it out with a formula and we will be re-listening to that episode of um, Somewhere Called Play, of Somewhere Called Play to, to figure out the formula or we'll just um, email David and see, hey, can you help <laughs> us figure this out so we can help other people uh otherwise we'll just be sending everyone oh yeah he said in the one episode he said he'd already helped 80 people, 80 people. and so, then and then we yeah we asked him to do ours after so 81 that. and 82 <laughs> so he yeah. basically he just came back really quickly with like here's what i believe yours based on he g- we gave him um strava files from yeah. hard efforts and also some easier efforts but specifically those race efforts and when when he sent back what he believes mine to be It made so much more sense because previously Garmin was saying that like for those races that I was in the very top in the red for those races because I was averaging 171 and my, my resting heart is so low that Garmin had my zones really low. So it had my, it had my blue zone at, in like the one twenties and green in the one thirties. And then basically if I raced, if I hit 170, I was up in red. And so, yeah, so basically Looking at it now, our, uh, my my you know zone four is is that one seventy right. to one seventy five, so one sixty six to one seventy five. So and there, I was looking through the Garmin device information too, and they have lactate threshold, and then you can put in your own information, and then they also have percent of max heart rate, and then they have it percent of reser- heart rate reserve. So I think depending on what you picked. Um, my zones were actually a little closer yep. and I used percent of max heart rate as my predictor and I used a max heart rate that I put in versus right. one that my watch detected. So my watch detects a 193 max heart rate. I'm 40 years old. If I were to go by 220 minus your age, my max heart rate should be 180. So already we're 13 beats over that based on what Garmin can predict. Now, that's just what this watch has said. Previously, I have recorded multiple times over 200. Yeah. So, like, I use a max heart rate of 203 as, like, kind of what I guess is my max right. heart rate. And so my zones were a little closer. Now, funny thing is, David was like, there's some artifacts in yours. And I can only imagine that it's from Run Walk. The fact that my heart rate goes up and then immediately recovers and goes up and then immediately recovers. Right. Like, I think that that could have been difficult for him to kind of extrapolate from. And that's, and that's yeah, something that, um, you know, with Run Walk, you're going to see that. Yeah. That you may average, like, your overall, you know, average for even your hard workouts. You still may look like, okay, well, overall, I was only in the, you know, my green zone. Right. But you did go into your, you know, threshold zone and your for a percentage for of that workout. Of yeah. Time. And so what I guess the the big, you know, thing is look at your Garmin data, but take it with a take it with a grain of salt, especially when it's telling you like you're at an anaerobic shortage or you're at like you I guess okay, so with training load on your Garmin device. If you go through to, hold on, I'm going to do it because I want to make sure it's the right one. Um, So if you go to like your acute load and your load focus, your load focus, right? And it has three things. It has anaerobic. It has like the middle, which is like the orange. 
Um, and then it has the blue and the blue is like your super low base. If it's telling you that you have a shortage in your blue super low base, you need to add some slow miles. If it's telling you kind of anything else, like don't worry about it. Right. Like honestly. And then the other thing, when you're looking at your acute load, like your acute load, if you are really high above your green and you're in a building cycle, don't worry about it so much. Like if it looks like you're building a little too fast, just pay attention to your body. But if you're in tip top shape and it looks like you're jumping above, you got to kind of bring it down because um, you are at higher risk of injury when that acute load jumps out of that range zone, right? When you're falling below, maybe add a little bit more volume. Like right now, mine says my acute load is low because we haven't done our, we had two rest days in a row. Yeah. We haven't done a workout. So it's like, oh yeah, I gotta, gotta bump it up. Mine's and then at today, the very bottom too. Yeah. yeah today it's going to be like, I'm like just outside my optimal, but after today it won't be. So then I'll have my whole week will be in my little green, Back in balance. gray balance area. Yeah. Um, and then we were talking off camera about HRV too, and all the different things that affect it and how there's kind of a delay in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so one of the tips David gave on some work I'll play was look at your resting heart rate. And if your resting heart rate is kind of elevated for a day, like that's a sign of a little bit of stress. It's a quicker indicator maybe than your HRV, which might take a day or two to catch up. And one of the cool things that I've learned from the Aura Ring about HRV, and I might have already mentioned it on the pod, I know I said it at some point, so (laughs) is eating a big meal right before bed can affect your Mm -hmm. HRV overnight. Um, Going to bed late, drinking alcohol can affect your HRV overnight. So when you're eating um, right before bed, like your heart rate's going to be a little higher, your HRV is going to be a little more narrow because it's working on digestion. Mm -hmm. And so you'll see that HRV kind of widen around 2 a.m., um, and I've definitely seen that on the aura ring. And then I look back and the same thing is happening on Garmin. And the so. same thing, you know, is true for if you are doing your workouts later workouts in the day. Workouts in, yeah, so at night. So it's, I, bet, I guess it's four hours or more before bedtime is ideal. Oh, If you can do that. Time. Like if yeah. you're doing, so if you do, for me, that's really tough. Because if I work out at, that means for like my doubles. Four. <laughs> yeah, because if I do it at 6.30 at night, that's exactly what happens. It pushes my bedtime till 11, 11.30. I have a really hard time going to sleep and my yeah. HRV is affected. And so, yeah, so that's a good, for people who work out after work, or later in the day, just keep that in mind. It's yeah. going to throw off your sleep. It's going to throw off your HRV if you can't push it to like four plus hours before yeah. bed. Yeah, ideally. and definitely, I mean, definitely food affects it. And then one of the about food, um, Featherstone Nutrition just posted this really cool thing and really cool article about Red S. And so we'll have to table Red S and we'll talk about that at another episode. But one of the comments I made is it's really important to note that you can be in a, a relative energy deficiency in a um, like low uh, low energy availability state, even if you're st- even if you still have a period, if you're a woman, mm-hmm. even if you're a man. Yeah. So um, we'll just copy Megan and David with their enough food always. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're worried, if you're training and you're worried that you are not getting enough food, or you're like, man, is this enough? Add a little more because more is always better. Um, when it comes to to food. Um, yeah, for sure. And yesterday, oh my gosh. So yesterday I actually woke up and I was starving. I was so hungry. And I was like, I was like, oh man, I'm so hungry, but I also want to go climb in bed again. So I was like, what would David do? I grabbed some Fritos. <laughs> 
handful of burritos before I went to, before I went back to like lay down for a little while. And then Naomi texted me and she was like, yeah, my daughter is feeding Doritos to my son. Spicy Doritos. Spicy Doritos. At nine in the morning. For breakfast. And I was like, I was like, yeah, because Lila understands that chips are basically just fried savory cereal. Yep. Think about it. It's a grain. Instead of baked, it's, it's fried. It's a cornflake. Yeah. It's just a bigger. It's a fried cornflake. cornflake. It's a savory cornflake. <laughs> yeah. And instead of milk, you use salsa as the. <laughs> and you can just eat it. It's delicious. <laughs> um, maybe that will be what we're what I'm known for. At least I love I. I call it Tex-Mex cereal, and it's where I crunch, crunch up, like, the, the yep. leftovers in the bag, and I, like, pour it into the leftover salsa, and I've, I eat it with a spoon. I've done it. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, the best post-run because it's so salty. Yeah. It's delicious. That and uh, protein cereal. I am all about the protein cereal. I need I need I, to get need on to the... try it. Because organ's to... really tasty as your, as your milk. Okay. And I'm doing it with water because with soy milk, it's too thick. I'm okay. like, whoa, I can't take it. I like, I mean, I like my protein, um, my protein shakes with water. So yeah. I was actually thinking like, I mean, I don't think I could eat cookie crisp. I don't think it's gluten-free, but I was like, I wonder how cookie crisp would taste uh, with the cookies and cream. I need to buy some peanut butter cereal because peanut butter oh. in the truck. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to do it. <laughs> so I'm so boring when it comes to cereal. My favorite cereal is corn checks. Well, you can do corn checks in your. Like, but you that's. Know, I've been doing how, the. How boring is that? Checks. It's like so not it's, even a flavor. Yeah. The chocolate checks has the white rice yeah. checks, which are really, really boring. Yeah. But then they have the chocolate checks. So then together yeah. it's. You know. And then <laughs> I also, like, I also really, really, really loved as a kid. I loved Rice Krispies. Yeah. I just, I love, but they have malt in them, but they, they make a gluten-free okay. version. Those would be good. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to figure it out. And then I loved, I loved Pops cereal. I think those are gluten-free. They're corn. Corn. Like corn. Yeah. Yeah. Corn Pops. Yeah. Yeah. I think they used to be called Sugar Pops. That's why when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, I loved Sugar Smacks. I don't think those are gluten-free. Like, and yeah. Of course, Apple Jacks. I freaking adored Apple Jacks cereal, but I don't think Apple Jacks would be good with chocolate yeah, protein. Chocolate. <laughs> Maybe vanilla, though. Yeah. So. We can try all the different yeah. combos. And speaking of trying food, we're going to tease this little event that we have coming up. We have all the chews from the feed, like all of them that they make, and we are going to... Every different brand. We're going to rate how they taste when you're sitting on the couch versus how they taste out on a run. Yeah. So we're really excited to do that, mostly because it means we get to eat a lot of candy. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to give it a couch score. I love that you coined that term. Yeah. The couch score. How does it How does it work? It's just candy versus... Well, that's the problem that. with some of the running candy. I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm like, man, I wish I had some candy. And I'm like, aha, I do have some candy. <laughs> but some taste, like, weird because they're too salty on yeah. when you're just... Doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, but I got to tell you, the best, the absolute best, and when you have ADHD and caffeine helps you sleep, um, the caffeinated cherry Jelly Belly um, sport, yeah, beans yeah, sport beans are the best on the couch. They're so good. You, like, eat them, and then you have, like, this calm nap. It's the best. <laughs> Brian's always like, aren't those caffeinated? You don't want to eat those at 9 o'clock at night? And I'm like, mm, yes, <laughs> I do. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, with that, I think we have a very long episode with um, a hilarious little thing that happened in the middle. Um, my dog did not fall down the stairs, no. but it was just a guitar case. It sounded like it was the dog. 
It was pretty crazy, Rolling but we cut it down at the middle, and then we had a big intermission. Hopefully, the the podcast still sounds relatively congruent, and uh, yeah, we w- we're going to go run our mile repeats. We'll see yep. how this goes. Go do that, and then hopefully we'll be back to you on Wednesday. Yeah, so. hopefully. We'll definitely we will be definitely back, back on Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> I, I freaking love recording twice a week. It's so fun. This is going to... Hopefully, I mean, maybe it could be a thing. Maybe we just always record twice a week. Yeah, we'll try. Who knows? All right, well, we will see you guys on Wednesday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Bye. Bye.